Come listen to my dad talk. Welcome to Tone Deaf Conversation Podcast. Yeah. Bruh, 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 bruh. Is that the kind of podcast? No. Oh. It's been a couple weeks. You know, I had a baby and everything. Word? That's a good enough excuse, right, to take a couple weeks off on a podcast? A having, child was born. I'll be having babies like every four days, man. That's not true. I should probably stop saying things like that. Like what? Like I have a, like I have like. Like I'm a, like I'm a bad like I'm a bad guy. I'm like dangerous in these streets. I'm not. Anyways, the person you hear uh, waxing poetic is uh, never got that expression. I just use it because <laughs> I like I like to. You know. Richard Damon Blackshire. Damon Sean. Yeah. This is where I need to. Yeah, this is where I need to have some sound effects. Where is Mike Sessions when we need him? I don't know. Dang. Pray for the kid. Uh, yeah, a couple things we want to talk about today. First, first um, off, uh, peace to Michael K. Williams, uh, mm. one of my favorite actors. <sighs> Pretty young, fifty-four. Fit, that's that's young the very still. first thing I said when I found out he passed away. I was driving. That's still young. I was dri- I was leaving Oakland this weekend, um, and my friend told me they were like, "Yo, like Michael K. Williams died," and I was like, "What the heck?" And again, I think about his. I'd never watched The Wire, but for me, Michael, I had never watched The Wire. Oh, my God. Okay, but for me, Michael K. Williams' greatest role, not for me personally, I always think about his role season three of Community because it was such a community at this point. It was it was getting hella cartoony. It was pretty much a cartoon season one, season two. Season three, they bring in Michael K. Williams, and he literally shut changes the dynamic in such a healthy way for the show that it just takes it to the to another level so for real like that's that's an actor right there that can do that on a show that's again childish gambino uh allison brie created by dan Harmon, the guy that made rick and morty like it's a literal cartoon of a show even with chevy chase and you have michael k williams every scene that he's in he steals and dominates it's like for a lot of actors that's one of the few professions where we kind of see, usually we see them reach their peak later on in their career hmm. as they kind of fall into who they are and the types of movies that they make. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you can really see guys show, guys and gals show their the true range. chops if they're given an opportunity. It's even interesting. He had that um that little short that he did for himself where it's like four of him in the and he's talk, talking talking yeah. about being typecast yeah and it, but it was four different types of him to he, one kind of show his range in the commercial but then to talk about the fact that yeah he's going to get typecast as a certain type of person michael k williams also had a documentary show on vice the channel vice yeah um where he would actually go in and it was such and it's something that only he could do not just as an actor but just because of his personality his story uh, he would go in and he would talk to literal pirates, like literal gangs, literal drug dealers. And again, it's something to be said about when a Sean Penn can go and interview El Chapo 
um, and the interview comes out as childish um, and self-absorbed. And I'm, I'm not saying that to criticize Sean Penn. I'm not saying that to, to criticize, you know, actors who are journalists. I don't know how many there are. But a Michael K. Williams is able to tap into certain roles because he can understand a story in any human being. So that's why when you see, again, I've never seen The Wire, but I know enough about uh, pop culture to know, like, Omar is an incredible character. The fact that you have a homosexual male who's in the streets, who's a drug dealer, uh, and still can strike fear. And then the same, or like two weeks later, can be on Community, that set, and be a biology teacher uh, who is dealing with this ridiculous group of children who are in Chevy Chase, who are trying to pass their prerequisites. Well, that was kind of the interesting thing about his character. Wow, it got a little low. Is he actually, if I remember correctly, he wasn't a drug dealer, but he was a stick-up man mm. who only robbed drug dealers. Hmm. Yeah. So it was. I don't know. I don't know if he. I don't know if he would. I. I got. I have to refresh myself on the show. It's been a while. But yeah, his. You know. It's dope. It sucks. You never, especially especially black actors, because there's not that many, and you'd like to. Within a year of. To, uh, almost. Of Chadwick. A year, Chadwick. Yeah. A and bit. even just just to think that you know Michael B. Jordan was on the wire. Michael B. Jordan was in Black Panther. Somebody was like, you know, that's got to be something that's impacting him right now so michael k williams man okay so i have a question i have an answer maybe hopefully i don't know what this question is wait okay no so i did have a list of things that i want to talk about there's one that i want to throw in so i seen a tweet uh-huh variety posted a tweet uh, uh variety end of august spare me where they said the fresh prince drama reboot has found its lead Jabari Banks is taking on the role played by Will Smith. So I don't know if you guys remember there was that like fan there was like that fan film pitch film kind of made. It was like two years two or three years ago almost. It was like three years ago about where it was a dramatic take on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air show and it got a lot of uh, fan love. Will Smith ends up seeing it, loves it and I think it helps push for it and now we're to the point where they're are they are soon going to go to production they just found their lead so a guy a guy quotes the tweet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is this this is the part that frustrated not the not the not the update but this okay. is the part that frustrated me he said this generation copies more than they create he said we don't need another fresh prince create something as significant as the fresh prince and I looked at the I looked at the comments, and of course, there's a lot of people like, yeah, yeah, nobody's original, blah 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 blah. And one, I have a problem with older people who look down their noses at the next generation while forgetting what's the, what's the verse like looking on someone else, looking at the, looking at the speck in someone else's eye when you have one in yours, a log in, a log in yours. Yeah, that's what it is. Specking someone else's eye, forgetting, overlooking the log in yours. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know why there's this belief that like 
like that like it's funny because like we'll look at old movies and the people don't realize it and maybe that's kind of one of the downfalls of too much information but people will watch a movie from like the 60s and say oh wow this is a beautiful movie but little do they know this is a remake of some foreign movie that came out 10 years before it right i mean but you didn't see the foreign movie so to you this is an original story but it's not original. How many but times have we seen Seven Samurai? Too many times. That's Magnificent Seven. That's uh, how many times have we Mission seen Cinderella? Im- Mission Impossible. I mean, it's oh yeah that that whole that whole genre, right? So it's like, but to me, I, like I, I don't see the issue with taking something and trying to tell it in a different light. Okay, because the guy because the guy asked somebody was like, well, it's a drama. He was like, well, what's the difference? And I was like, what's the difference between a comedy about? and a drama? Like, it's just a like, lot. Can we? That's the thing too. Stories deserve to be told in their own way. And okay, and even as you're saying, you know, people complaining about rehashing the story. As we know, A Star Is Born came out 2018. That's Lady like Gaga. five times. <laughs> All right, that's that's the fourth version of A Star Is Born. And the thing is, they're not even changing the names of this movie. It's The Star Is Born. That's what they're all called. A they're Star all is called Born. A Star Is Born. There's 1937, 1954, 1976. Like that's stupid. That my grandmother has four different versions of A Star Is Born. And She's you can not be talking asking to for that. Hey, Grandma, you see that movie, A Star is Born? Oh, which one? The one with uh, Audrey Hepburn or something? I don't know. They're Literally. <laughs> can I tell you? That's even like, I'll tell you, uh, there's a movie about, um, I can't think of the name of the movie, but there's a movie that came out. It was in black and white, and it's about this uh, black woman or a black woman, but she can pass as white, and her mother is black, and it's like a whole ordeal. I uh, can't remember the name of the movie, right? came out in like 1928. They remade that movie in 1954, and my mom and my grandmother love both versions, and they will watch both versions back to back. They don't complain about the fact that it's two different versions, because if people like something, they'll like it. But here's the here's the biggest thing that I thought when I first saw this is like, who who does he think are the people that are greenlighting this stuff? Right. Are they? He thinks there's like 19 year old TikTokers that are in these boardrooms saying, "Yes, Better, man, yeah, we need a like dog." This is just your generation that's actually saying, we, "Okay, go ahead." We need, we need someone to remake. Our generation is trying to make new and interesting movies. Look at right. all, the, look at all the people who've been winning Academy Awards lately for best film. They've been our generation. Did did we not like who do you think is making who do you think made Candyman? That's the thing too. Oh, we we want a new Candyman, but we don't want a new version of Fresh Prince. Why not? Why not give that? And to me, I don't have a problem with turning a sit a, a sitcom into and a movie. That's that's different too because there's a there's a way that you can tell a story over several series seasons of a series especially when they're like 20 episodes each. Right. And then taking that concept and compacting it into something else. And let me know. let me say this. Especially as well. especially when it comes to TV shows. TV shows are all built on the same formulas because it's hard not to do that when you have a long-standing series. Absolutely. And let me say this. Two things. That movie is called Imitation of Life. Again, there's two different versions. There's a 1934 version, 1959 version. Crazy, not crazy, but it's a cool movie. Watch it with your parents or your mom or your grandma. But I will say this. The thing about uh, remixing these these shows, these movies, is interpretation. 
And we yeah, deserve that, that. Black art deserves multiple interpretations of stuff. Fresh Prince came out in a time when, you know, one of the most impactful scenes of the pilot is this fact that you have this kid, this quote-unquote homeboy from West Philadelphia. Playing Mozart. Playing Mozart. At the end of the movie. For No, Beethoven. Beethoven, yeah. At the end of the, the pilot. And that sets the tone for oh, a black man from the hood can be something different. We well, get that now. We well, have so many different versions of this. That, and it's interesting. They, even like some of the creators say that that pilot helped reshape the the central themes of that show where first it was said that it was going to be mostly centered around Phil and Vivian and their kids. Mm. Like, uh, like the Cosby show is right. or like family matter, even though family matters is more centered around Urkel, you still have the parents who are kind of the, the it's their the struggle force. and with this. And that's most, most sitcoms are right. there's a couple and there's, here's their family and how they deal with this. But this one, it was, it's about focused, the kids, which is, but one of the primary things, as you say, is this connection between Will and his uncle. Right. And that, that was, you know, right. So I don't mind someone taking some of those themes because it's not a thing that we see a whole lot of stories about us, especially those types of stories, which are unique stories about us. And and especially in a way, and, I'll, and I will applaud Kenya Burris for uh, trying for doing this and doing it well until, you know, his own, you know, he became his own folly. Um, unless you want to hire me, Kenya Bears. Um, but that's what Blackish did, what a Grownish does, what. Even a mixed dish does to some extent. It shows that black identity has changed since the 1980s, 1990s, even the early 2000s when you had shows like Girlfriends and shows like uh, Eve, where it was still about, hi, I'm, I'm black, I'm corporate, um, but I'm still struggling with the code switch between my jobs and, and things like that. Blackish and, and even a and something like All American, something like what this uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air gritty reboot for DC Cinematic Universe could be. It could be this honest conversation of, yes, we have now evolved past what it looks like to be hood and black, and there's that dichotomy well, shift is not there anymore. That's the I don't thing. Know. I don't even think it's necessarily about how, how black life or experience is changing. I think it's that we're now seeing and hearing and watching stories that are actually the way that we are mm. whereas before you were we were hearing the version that white people like to think that we were mm. and now we're starting to see a more realistic version a more i don't know if holistic's the word certainly a more nuanced i would say nuanced because that we're all not the same but if you take a look at some of those Sitcom. They were trying to go at it because you look at something like Martin and mm -hmm. it was a college educated guy who's trying to start his own radio thing. And then you've got a story about Jamie Foxx who works at like a family owned hotel. And then, you know, these different, you know, these different concepts that aren't necessarily about, you know, some black kid that, that was trying to stay out of gangs. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with telling that aspect because that's a that's real life. But. To me, the concept of what Fresh Prince was dealing with, to me, is a really realistic concept. Like, right? What it's literally about what happens when? Because a lot of a lot of us deal with that. I know our parents did. A lot of our parents grew up in 
a level of wealth that maybe they didn't have now. So then what happens when you make it a little bit better in life? How do you adapt to this new way of living while, while not missing or losing losing recipes? But then there's, you deal with all the identity. What does it mean to be a sellout? Am I a sellout if I make a better life for my family? You know, all these different things. Right. So I appreciated that. So, But I think that that's kind of the way that those things were framed there. But speaking of sitcoms, and I'm going to use this as my shameless segue. What, what, what the hell happened to, to the sitcom? Like, what happened to the traditional sitcom? What do you mean what happened to the Do, sitcom? Is it still, is there a... St- we got black, for black people or just period? Period. We have hella sitcoms. Now? It's hella sitcoms. In 2022, 21? Si- situation comedies. There's Wait, Like, where? Like, okay, here's why I ask. There's, uh, and, what's that Netflix show? Uh, exactly. With the kid, with the Indian girl who's grieving. Exactly. Netflix, Indian girl. <laughs> That's my point. And maybe it's because there's so many different platforms and there's so much stuff. Never out there. have I ever. Then you got sex education. Look, the situ- but here's it. But check this out. Uh-huh. None of those reach have the have the reach that that Saved by the Bell had. No, 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 no. Want well, to know why? Here's the thing: the sitcom didn't go away. The sitcom became more a la carte. Of course. So. Saved by the Bell. I hate that show. But that's not, that's not the point. Here's my thing. But that was the only – I grew up watching it because my brother was is nine years older than me, and he was watching it. And guess how many TVs there were in the house? Saved by the Bell is not a terrible show. I don't get it. I don't understand Saved by the Bell. White kids at a school, at I don't, a rich school. I don't get that at I mean, all. I mean, because you're not a rich white kid. <laughs> my bad. At a, beach, at a beach school. I tried, I guess. Dang. My fault for going to living in San Bernardino. But for real, there's sitcoms all the time. And, and again, what's crazy is that sitcoms are even coming back. The sitcom hasn't gone away. It's been rediscovered. How many times have people watched The Office over the pandemic? But here's the thing. But that's still an older show. Like, so, we're revisiting. Like, and, I, and I would be interested to see, like, what, what were the Fresh Prince numbers when they got re-released on I was HBO. About to say, but here's re- the thing. Okay. I think what we're moving to, I think, again, not that they aren't making comedies, but it seems like the type of sh- the type of series we are gr- gravitating to more are dramas cuz now now all the biggest shows uh, unless unless you consider insecure a it's a sitcom a sitcom it's a situation comedy here's a situation you got a black girl who's broke and awkward in LA see i and almost there's comedy with it uh, just, the thing about cuz i think the i think the i i think maybe this goes to what, you know splitting hairs and what we think a situational comedy is where there's an idea that there are gags and you know whereas there I, are literally gags to me insecure. i think that insecure is a real life drama that happens to point out the really funny things that happen in life and people would say the same thing about cheers people would say the same thing about Boy but cheers world. but cheers was set up in a way to where everything that's going to happen in this bar are going to be different gags that you can laugh at the same i and instead i would say of, the same thing instead of here are some black some black people trying to make it in la no but there's and gags, they just there's, and they just happen to they just happen to have funny things happen to them there's there's gags and in, in insecure the 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 guy who's a blood what's his name 
I don't remember his name. I don't know his name. But, but that's real life. Every time though. you come up, but there's a gap. That's the gap. That's real life, though. Every time, even when when Issa is the the apartment manager and her uh, her tenant who with the kid, that's a gag. Okay, so think about it. All the biggest shows right now, and this isn't even ones that I like the most. These mm-hmm. are just the shows that are really big right now, like mm-hmm. shows like Su- Succession, Billions. You're naming dramas though. But but when you talk about the top the top shows out, the top series shows out, comedies don't rank at the top. What are you talking about? Atlanta, in- Dave? Atlanta's not a comedy like that though. Atlanta is is a Okay, here's the thing. The the term situation comedy, like I said, has become more nuanced. You can more writers are now like us, mm-hmm. where we have grown up watching and listening uh, and experiencing shows and dramas like an anime, like um, Lost. Lost changed a lot, changed the paradigm for TV, TV in a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. We're we're the writers who grew up watching The Office. So what's 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 the better term for it? Because I just don't think situational comedy is. I think sitcom is the best term for it because it is situational and it's not quite comedy. That's the thing about sitcoms. I think sitcoms are meant to be comedy. I'm going to say this joke. I'm going to pause and let the audience laugh at this. But at the end of the day, the sitcom always had a lesson. The thing is, we're just extending that lesson over a period of episodes instead of here's the problem. Here's the episode. Here's how we solve the problem. Here's what we learned. Okay, here's how we kill it Uh because I'm going to get the actual definition. Please. So a sitcom... Mm -hmm. Clipping from situational comedy is a genre of comedy centered on a fixed set of characters who mostly carry over from episode to episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, sitcoms can be contrasted with sketch comedy, where a trope may be may use new characters in each sketch. A stand-up comedy, where the com- comedian tells jokes and stories to an audience. Sitcoms originated in radio, but today are mostly found on television as one of the dominant narrative forms. Mm-hmm. So, so when you look at Insecure, you have the fixed set of characters. You got Issa and Molly, but those those stories aren't told to make you laugh. But that's not the sitcom. The sitcom is here's the situation. No, the sitcom is told to make you even the scenarios of sit like okay like here's what I mean. Because like even the 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 scenario of a sitcom is literally meant to be. I disagree. Hilarious. No, it I is. disagree. It is. I think, I think what comes out is it de- and it depends. I disagree only. Hey, because we're I think gonna it take this. We're gonna take this kid from Philadelphia. Okay. A, a poor kid. A poor kid who lives in a single parent home from Philadelphia, and we're gonna put him with his rich family in Bel Air. How do they get along? Right. Tune in next week. Okay, but then you have the Brady Bunch. Hey, we have this life a, lesson. A situational comedy. We, we have hey, this. Here's hey. one woman that has three kids. Here's a guy that You're has three about kids. The... They get married. Okay. Okay. How do they get along? You're that's talking about the it. pilot, but actually, but, let's, no. Let's break down the Brady the Bunch concept. pilot. Let's break down the Brady Bunch pilot. The thing is this: we want these kids to learn how to become a family. No, in no, this no, no, episode no, no, one, no, no. I, I totally understand. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like the creation of the show, in the in the creation of the show, there there is a either hilarious or ridiculous or you know whatever concept in which the show is hinged. Yes. So hey, hey, there's this family, and oh by the way, they have this black geeky nerd that lives next door. 
Yes. And here's how they all get along. See, but that's one that's one where the comedy takes precedence over the situation. But that's the thing about a sitcom is fluid. Sometimes the situation is more important than the comedy. Sometimes the comedy is more important than the situation. But that theme remains. Like they like they are There's e- always a life lesson. They are evolving to be out of that situation. Like that situation is still always present. So what you're saying is but I think that's just that's just the sign of the times. I don't think we'll ever see a sitcom again where the characters aren't evolving anymore because that's how we don't want that anymore. So that's what I'm saying. So I think, but I think it's still a sitcom. I think now we we are because I think another aspect of it is although there are real life concepts to it, I think what we're going towards now is a more realistic storytelling of people. And the right. thing is, and and this is maybe where we can get into a discussion about genres in general. In that the idea is that like what is a why should I make a story that's held to a particular drama? Why not tell a story because this is what life is like that has that has dramatic elements, that has comedic elements, that has horrific elements, that have hilarious and, elements. And that's you know. and which is where so and I, I think I, and I that's think where this, we are getting. I I, agree, I hear what you're saying. I want to say everything is morphing into like this. So, we just want to hear. We just want to see realistic. More realistic stories, I guess that's the I, I guess that's the concept when it comes to because nothing is never like, and I guess I guess for like sitcom and I know I know it's not always been that way. I'm connected to sit to for me are like this idea of like a studio audience, and that there's like a clap sign that comes on, which is what you normally saw in well, no, a lot of those you know. But then I think like I said we that evolved. When NBC, which is which is crazy, NBC has been the has used to be the one that defines a sitcom, and when when NBC had a Seinfeld, I don't know if Seinfeld was in front of the live audience. Had, I think it had audience. I okay. think it did. Okay, I don't know, but I know that NBC gave us The Office, and around the same time they gave us The Office, they also gave us Thirty Rock. They gave us Parks and Recreation, you know, coming from that that same era. And NBC is who evolved the sitcom. And actually, you know who you know who really changed what a sitcom could be? Because um, even in the early 2000s, you had something like Malcolm in the Middle, which was a situation comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, Arrested Development. That's why it won award after award every single year. Because it was a sitcom. But every episode, these characters were keeping the same characters but if something happened the episode before, we're taking that with them. And again, the situation was this. It's the same even situation Wait. that we're taking and evolving it. But you still have that development e- is a situation comedy. But you still have that even in the original, in some of the older ones. There's still always, even though like each episode there's a different situation that they're in, there are still some fluid concepts that, but that flow doesn't usually happen. Well, that doesn't usually happen until like seasons later where they're like okay we got to kind of maintain our audience and add a wedding well, add a thing like well, that kind of like, okay, like so growing take, pains well if you take fresh prince for bel-air they whether they make it a point to be obvious or not they're moving throughout their high school career right right because they start in 10th grade and by the end of the episode they're like in the middle of college right and so they are still moving on through life people are getting older things are happening but that's not the focus of the show the focus of this the show is meant to make you laugh and to me, that's that's the concept. To me, that is what a, situ- a sitcom is. But a again, sit- a sitcom, you are supposed to laugh. But again, if you if you're not laughing if that's at the this, case, if that's the case, then again, you got Shit's Creek. 
You got what's S C H I T T S. <laughs> you got again Arrested Development. You got um, Dave. Now no, no, no. I will say with this, Dave has definitely even changed its own genre within the last two seasons. So much so that I can't get through season two because it's like I was disgusted uh, by episode like three or four. I don't know. Um, but I know I got to finish it though. But again, you have this idea that, and I'll go back to what you're saying. I think there is a melding of things. And I'll never forget when Atlanta won Best Comedy, the Golden Globe for Best Comedy. And a lot of people were like, yo, this really could be Best Drama if we really want to talk about it and unpack mm-hmm. it. But that's where we're going. Even well, dramas are getting funnier. Well, the only reason why I say that is because, like, it, it, if, you, if you were, and it's, it's hard to think of what we were thinking, like, about in the 90s, but if you were to ask people what the what the best shows are out in the 90s like eight of your top 10 picks were going to be comedies cuz that's what kind of ruled television now mm-hmm. if you say what are the best shows of the last 5 years half if not more of those are going to be dramas uh, because you're gonna, because you're you're gonna have Narcos, you're probably gonna have Ozark, you're for sure gonna have Game of Thrones. Like, there's all these more that's serious dramas it's so, it's that are so kind of la, becoming. It's a so thing. a la carte that it depends on who you ask. You can't even say what are the best shows. No, in the no, last no, no. Five years. I'm not talking about what you think your favorite ones are. I'm talking about the biggest shows that controlled the 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 general the, the general conversation. Most of them have been dramas. And I will I will agree with that for the again, most part. But again, it depends on who you ask. If you ask black people, black it doesn't. People, in the last five years, white people gonna say Game of Thrones. White people love white people love Orange Is the New Black. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's an, another drama. Of course, there is comedy in there because life life is funny, which is crazy. Because because again, if in a, on a different network, Orange Is the New Black would be. If Orange Is the New Black, same premise, everything was on FX. It would be it would get it would get Golden Globe for best comedy, well, but because it's on Netflix. Nice. So, okay, so think about it. So you have Game of Game of Thrones, Orange is the New Black, um, Black Black Mirror had a big hold on what, even though that was like UK and then it came here, but Ozark was big. The Crown is killing it right now. The Crown is killing it. I think Billions and Secession is about to come back. Obviously, Game of Thrones had a chokehold on society for a long time. See, but that's the thing. Stranger Things. Stranger Things is. That, you know. that, but I think that kind of is a thing. And when I say a la carte, I mean it's so individualized that you could someone, – someone can realistically avoid all the big shows – Know what they are and never have to watch it and never have to discuss it. Well, that's my that's my answer to I've what, never I think, what I think happened to sitcoms. I haven't sitcoms. watched the session. Because the, 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 the concept of the sitcom of the 90s is people better damn well be watching this. Or you can't go this to work. Is, this is primetime NBC. This is what we're watching. Everybody's watching this at the same time because when you come back to work at the water cooler the next day, we're all talking about it. So the, so the concept that we had, and I think that's one of the few um, genres that you can create that are more for the entire family. Now, you right. can make dramas for the entire family, but typically when you're together with your family after a long day at work, after kids got home from school, the last thing you want to do is be stressed out. Right. What you want to do, you probably want to laugh. So the idea is that we're going to have a, we have a larger hold on the on the family group. So we need to give them 
a lighthearted comedy to, for them to be able to relax. Which so as, is, as uh, networks started to expand, as TVs become more affordable, where you can have them in different different rooms, as now you can watch shows on cell phones, then now it's like we can make more niched, 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 niched. I like saying niche, but I, think I guess it's, it's niched. niched. But niched, niched, niched. niched. That sounds like quiched. Okay, but so now that you now that you have that that opportunity, people are making more specific shows, like specific type shows, where again, that's to me another mark of the sitcom is that it's a really well. But, I'm gonna say general, as in general, as in for for most most of, most can, of the most, most of the American. Can, obviously, black people can't relate to Saved by the Bell for the most part, but most true. of the people who are watching TV. Are yeah. people who could say, "Oh, wow, I was once white and went to co- and went to high school." And and this is what I'm saying. I wonder if again, sitcom is now changing into, like you're just saying, how relatable is the show? I'm gonna say this, and then I think we should pivot to the next topic. I'm watching right now, based on the recommendation of one of my coworkers who who's Native American, Reservation Dogs. Um, yeah. And it's by it's written by Sterling Harjo and Taika Waititi, uh, the director from. Uh, uh, Thor Ragnarok, um, and it's about it's about Native American kids who live in a reservation and they're just hustling, trying to make it to California. Right? That's just the nuance of it. And again, that's something that's universal. Because I was telling my friend, he was like, "I want to get your perspective as a non-Native person. Like, what do you think?" And I was like, "Honestly, I relate to this because poverty is universal. I look at these kids on a reservation. To me, it's like watching Atlanta. I did not grow up in Atlanta. I didn't grow up on a reservation, but." I grew up around poverty, so I get, I relate to these shows. That's how situational comedies are kind of changing. Insecure plays into that same thing. And I wonder if it's not so much that the situation comedy is is dying, it's just that the ideal American experience is changing. We're talking about all those great sitcoms. We're talking about Brady Bunch, Cheers, Growing Pains, Step by Step. All these, I could keep going. Like I grew up like '90s Disney, like dinosaurs. I could literally keep going on this idea, Flintstones, of this nuclear family who is uh, middle class, often white or white identifying. Again, dinosaurs are literally dinosaurs, but them they're white. Um, like let's be real, the son's name is Bobby. He's a mohawk and a Letterman jacket. But as America is changing as the white majority is starting to shrink, we're going to start seeing different faces on the same story. Again, a reservation dogs, they could literally have a crossover with Atlanta. Dave could literally happen in on Atlanta as well. And that's just FX that we're talking about. All right, next segment. We need like a button that like says next Nah, we're gonna next stay next here because I wanna stay here. No. No, because no, then I'm gonna use this last point to move to the next <sighs> one. But really, like I think it's your podcast. I think the and I guess this is what it goes down to to me is the purpose of the show has changed in that I don't think shows are being made now with the same purpose that they were being made for like in the nineties, I don't think you make a comedy now for the same, for the same purpose that you did before. Like our goal here is not necessarily for you 
to all laugh and we pause while you laugh and then we continue this this, nah, ridi- this, to win this ridiculous situation. I think the goal is now to just tell real life stories. So I oh. think the sitcom has oh. just become I think it's become more the 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 comedy drama. Yeah. Which is, which is what I think is more of the, you know, because even though there are dramatic elements of Fresh Prince, for the most part, all the episodes end on a light note because that's the, that's the idea of comedies. Whereas the the last season of Insecure, it lends on a, or well, depending on whose team you are, if you're Team Lawrence or Team Issa, that yeah, that that episode either ends either hey, ends, it ends on a sour note or a happy note. Hey, I was man. Team Lawrence. So, I'm still you know, Team Lawrence. Everybody that was like wild, everybody like what everybody it's funny because everybody hates Condola. I'm like, what did she do wrong? Hey man, all she did is treated the king the way he needs. <laughs> she wants to keep the baby. Like, why okay. are we why are we mad at that? Okay, so then now okay, so now that that brings me to to my next topic. Using using Issa Rae as an example, Pass. we also mentioned Atlanta, Pass. which is nope. Which we talking is, about uh, black people stuff. Pass. No no no. Which which is um. Good. Donald and his brother. I forget his name. What's his brother's name? Uh, I'll Google it Who right helps. now. I think he writes more, a little bit more than Donald does. I'm going to guess both, and say his name is Sean. But they write together. They do? Yeah. Brother. I'm guessing his name is Sean. Oh, wow. That's racist. Stefan. I knew it was an S. Yeah, that's racist. Steven. How was it racist? Because he just assumed it was Sean. And I knew I'm pretty it started sure, with the And S. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you didn't think it was the S-E-A-N Sean. You thought it was the no, S- I thought it, I thought it was, S-H-A-W-N I thought it was, Sean. I thought it was S-E-A-N because ah. I remember there being an E in there. White people do the, white people do the scene, the scene, Sean. Scene? So these are... My middle name is S-E-A-N. These, these shows, a lot of them, but I'm using these two for an example, are what i think we're starting to see take over tv which is the concept of the auteur television show which is what you never really had elaborate what do you mean by auteur like, for you those have, of us like who you have a, you have you have public school education you have movies that you can tell this has the fingerprint of this director because yes. movies are usually made by directors that's the that's the that's what makes a movie go. It's a director. Even though there are writers responsible for scripts and all these other things, it's really about the guy or the girl or the they mm-hmm. or the it. I don't know what the pronouns are anymore. Uh, this, the pronouns have always been the same. <laughs> I don't think we've invented any new pronouns since English has been. Fam, you, know, you didn't call anybody a them in 1995. No, what I mean is this. We're, we haven't made like new pronouns. Well, what this, are they? But what are the pronouns that we ascribe to people now? The same pronouns. To, 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 avo- <laughs> to avoid using terms like boy or girl. Do I need to actually like Google pronouns? You do terrible. need to Google it because you don't know the answers. <laughs> no, this is this is really bad. Not Okay. Now, what's gendering? The, what's are what's we talking the, about? Gendering? What's the alter? But it's still a pronoun. I'm talking. Yeah, I'm just saying pronouns are like, like they're literally he, she, they, them. It. So then, what's the alternative to the pronoun he and she? That's what I'm saying. No, no, you no, don't no. say he is she. I'm just saying pronouns are like. I'm just talking about grammar. Like you yes, and I'm like, trying to. I'm trying <laughs> to ask you which is the proper one to use. It depends. So it's. 
I have a I have a couple students. I so okay, yeah. so if I'm trying to, this is a wild segue mm-hmm. or a wild uh, rabbit trail, but like I'm mm-hmm. just trying to figure out instead of saying men and women directors, what should I be saying? Just directors. Directors. Directors of any. Just directors. Any. Then you say there are there are directors who identify as male. There are directors who identify as. I'm just gonna male. say directors, and if you, you fit in that category, then you're. There if you you're go. a director, then you're a director. So there's this. So they they control or they should control obviously there we can we know of stories in which studios got involved or there was whatever red tape in the background that kind of pushed you can even argue that maybe the marvel movies now are not so much controlled by the director as they are by the studio but i would say some of the movies are like you can tell that black panther is a little bit different you could tell that guardians was a little bit different that you could tell that Thor that Ragnarok, Ragnarok was a little bit different that like somebody somebody had their fingerprint on this but you don't really see that in TV as much because TV is ruled by the writer right and so when yes. you have a movie a show like Insecure where the creator of the show is or at least at the beginning was a primary writer for the show where I'm making this thing the way that I want to. It's my show, and I'm making it the way that I want to. Yes. And it you can tell it's being made a specific way. And you can even kind of tell over the last season or two that Issa is not doing as much of the writing. Not that the show is any better or any worse, but you can tell, you can always tell when the writing changes. Right. In, in shows what what i will say about because i want to add on to that cause, well hold really quick okay because i just want to introduce because i never fully established a new the next topic what are you talking about then what do do artists like isa mm-hmm. make their art make these shows mm-hmm. for people or are they well obviously they're all people right but for the general audience or are they making it making them for themselves and their peers. Okay. You're asking, you're asking two questions. So no, no, Le- no, no. LeBron Le- James is playing basketball okay. and he's playing for his teammates, but also they're playing for us because we're the ones going to the shows. We're, being we're the ones turning on the TV to watch it. And how do you, so, but when it comes to these, I'm to, rolling you know, my eyes right now because this you, is a conversation that Antonio and I have had for for years over different topics, and he really is just trying to. We're we're really no, trying to get I'm, to this. No, 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 no. Here's what Antonio is asking me because this is the same conversation that we've been arguing about. In this is now documented across five podcast series. Well, as before you go, I will adno- yeah. I will acknowledge that it's a little bit different with with. Television. TV and film than it is with music. Yes, but I, I did I did use the term artist in general. Yes, but obviously I, I guess I am sp- a little bit more specifically talking about TV and film. But, okay, you know. so what? So this is the question. This is the philosophy that Antonio and I battle on, and and not to say that this is like obviously we keep battling at this because this is like something where we we're literally coming from. My position when it comes to art of any kind is that the artist makes art for art's sake. Antonio, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I almost fully disagree. Antonio believes that the artist creates art to be absorbed by an audience. Yes. Plato would agree with me. 
Stephen McCloud would agree with me. Uh, one of them is still alive. Um, and it is different than with TV than it is with music, than it is with a literal painting, than it is with, you know, some, anything else. What I compare t- uh, television to right now, because it is a, f- the writer is so prominent. You know what I mean? Um, you have an Issa Rae, you have a Donald and Stephen Glover, you have a Taika Waititi who is a director, but is writing this show, this writing this, you, excuse you, I'm kidding. It sounded like you farted. No, no, I'm not. This, this. I know, I know. <laughs> but the thing is this, it's, it really is closer to a novel um, where we have a voice television writers have a voice you can tell when a jonathan nolan um because he writes every episode of westworld even if every episode of westworld has a different director i think even last season they had all women directors for the entire series which was dope um every episode has his voice every episode has his stamp of this is the conversation that i'm having because this is ultimately the theme or the life lesson that I want the audience to take away. Mm-hmm. So I need my voice to be heard through this medium. And however you interpret it, director, however you inter- interpret it, cinematographer, that's on you. But this dialogue, this, these, these, moving, these moving pieces, this is what I'm saying about not just these characters, but what I'm saying about life in general. But the, but the intention is that you want the audience to understand something. Yes, the intention of an artist as a writer is that they are commenting on life. They're imitating life. That's what Plato would say. Art is, art is an imitation of life. I think, I don't know if I would use that for this context, but yes. But that's what art is. I don't think we could, I don't think we could, I don't think there's ever been a piece of art that's been conceptualized that hasn't had its origin in real life. Like somebody saw something and that something inspired them to create something either literally or more um, um, abstractly. 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 Is that a word? Abstract. Abstract. Abstractive. Abstractively. Let's Google it. Abstractly. But the concept is that there is an attachment to the people that you are intending for this. I only say this because I don't think that. In art, I don't think that a guy trapped on an island by himself would make art. See, mm, I disagree. Art is for what? Art is okay. According according to sorry, I said Stephen McLeod. According to Scott McLeod, art is anything that is not for procreation or survival. So if I'm whistling, if I'm trapped on an island and I'm whistling to pass the time, guess what? I'm making art. I don't and, agree with that, but you know, you don't have to agree. That's what Scott McCloud says. Scott McCloud wrote it. I agree with him. You Scott McCloud? Didn't think so. You Antonio Johnson. But this is the thing. An- Antonio and, and, De Johnson. But I think more people would side with what Plato has to say than what. People don't even know. People don't even know who Plato is. I mean, he's they, only one of the one of the greatest philosophers. They of, mix him up with Socrates. Our, you know him too. So, so somebody. But to me, I think I think I think there's. I think the thing about art is there there almost has to be intentionality. Yes. There there is but it there's ha- pur- there's purpose behind it. Now, now to me here's a difference. So you said whistle. You can be walking down the street or doing something and you find yourself 
tapping or doing something and you make something that sounds like, oh, that could be something. I don't think that's art. I think that's life. And then you take that, you're walking down the street and you're at a construction site and the sound of hammers and jackhammers somehow makes some type of sound that makes you think something. So you go home or go to your studio or go wherever with the intention of, of taking the real life that you just experienced and using that and imitating that in a way to create something. Right. And this is where I continue on with my thought. And I agree. Right now, again, I teach. Um, I don't know if I said that, but I teach and I have a kid. And oh, no, my... yeah, get your bars off. You got to tell everybody where you teach. So, yo, I, I teach... didn't really get to because you talked too much at the beginning. My bad. So I didn't even really get to give you a nice, a nice intro. Oh, I, let me go this ahead. Is perfect. This is Professor. Professor. Yo, I'm <laughs> Professor Blackshirt now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a middle school teacher. I'm now an adjunct. Uh, which means I don't get paid a lot and I could get fired at any moment. Not that tenured yet. Not tenured. Um, but I, yeah, I'm a professor at a university. So the, the thoughts on this podcast are Antonio's and Antonio's alone. And Richard Blackshirt is not. Uh, the thought, yeah, the thoughts on this podcast are Richard Blackshirt's and Richard Blackshirt's alone. Um, Dang, I really got to say that now. But I have a student right now who, um, again, I also teach in the middle school. And what he'll do, and I have to just have to catch him off guard. He'll just start, like you said, he'll just start tapping away. And he's making, he's doing it rhythmically. Um, he's not making a song. I even asked him, like, what are you, like, are you, like, imitating a song? Are you doing something? Like, sometimes, like, you know, I'm just doing it. It's a rhythmic thing that's being made. Not because, obviously, it's not an audience. He's not doing it because he wants the class to hear. He's mm-hmm. not doing it because he wants me to hear. He's doing it because it's something that's coming forth from without him or coming forth from within him, I should say. It's not for survival because it gets him in trouble. It's, <laughs> I don't want to say it like this, but again, Scott McCloud, it's not for procreation. It's not like some mating dance. We're not cavemen back in the early, early, early days of humanity. But this is just something that he does – and if he's intending to, maybe. But it's being created either way. And mm-hmm. it is something that could eventually branch off to something else that we, that a wider audience would consider art. But I would say that is art. But that's the goal. But I would say that is art. I have kids that doodle, that literally just draw amazing little drawings. And they're not really for an audience. It's just for them. It's practice. Practice for what? They may never do this again. It's practice for something. You don't do it for nothing. That's what I'm trying to say. There's purpose. Sometimes people do things for nothing. I disagree. Sometimes people I do think things every, for nothing. Everybody does something for and, a reason. And, and I'll be even, honest. Even if that reason might seem insignificant, everybody does something for and, a reason. And can actually, can I be honest? If if now that I'm like, lean, let me lean into the mic on this. And again, I say this as a musician myself, mm-hmm. as an artist myself, a writer, uh, you know, aspiring, trying to get a CNN documentary. I'm trying to be the next Anthony Bourdain out here. Um, I'm kind of even leaning toward if you have to do this for survival, is it still art? Yes. I don't know. Because I don't agree with the guy. I don't care what he has to say. Scott McLeod? I don't think that just because you you were smart enough to make a living out of the skill that you have that that now not makes it art because no. I, I still think the concept is for the 
the you are it's for consumption now whether that whether whether the Yes. Whether the whether the, the art is for consumption, whether the ramifications of that consumption is that people will pay you for that consumption, that okay. doesn't make that that doesn't change. That okay, it took us five years to get there. I agree with you. Art is for consumption. That's what I've always been saying. No, is that it's for other people. That's literally what that means. I don't think it's for. I don't know if it's for other people, but it is to be consumed by other people. <laughs> if other people consume it, then yes, awesome. That's the point. I don't think I, I, I would 100% think. I don't think anybody creates wait, dope stuff and thought, I don't to really care here. if anybody no, hears this. Liar. Yes, you do. You want other people to hear this. Art is for consumption. Yes. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the importance of semantics. <laughs> you just. Art is for consumption. Yes. That's yes. what I've been saying. There's, 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 and this is what I mean by purpose. I don't necessarily think that it has to, has to be consumed by an audience. Somebody, one person, a million people—that's an audience. It doesn't have to. It doesn't say how big the audience is. Even They're... even even an ancient tribal leader that tells a story to five kids who are listening—that's that's the artist. That's his audience. The alchemist, the guy who is the producer of um, Freddie Gibbs, and I mean he's legendary producer. Uh, Action Bronson, like literally legendary producer. Uh, the Alchemist has a an album that he has created under a different name, and it's in full in its completion on YouTube. And he said it exists somewhere. If someone finds it, fine. I put it out five years ago. And no one's found it yet. That's not for consumption. But you uploaded it onto a digital worldwide platform. Yes. So you can't tell me that you put it on a platform where there are millions of users and thought, I don't intend for people to listen to this. No, he released it. For other people. Oh, you, exactly. You put it in a place where people can find it. But what if he didn't release it for people? Then you wouldn't have put it up what there. What if he released it for just the numbers and the the literal ones and zeros of YouTube? <laughs> no, I'm so serious. Like, I think about this gold, that gold disc thing that's floating on one of the satellites right now that was recorded in, like, the 60s or 70s or whatever when and someone was like what is that thing there's literally a gold record that's floating on a satellite that is a gold record i'm typing it on google yep in space there's a gold record in space it's called on the voyager right and it is all of the sounds from like the 70s that someone was like hey like if this was, if this is ever found by some life that it will have they will they will understand what the human experience is if the people that made that meaning meaning literally wasn't created for people yes though. it is it it's was not created for humans it is literally it's created for beings it's still made for the consumption of someone else is not just made for you exactly that's what I've, that's all i've ever said the consumption of something else maybe not a human maybe you make a sculpture and you literally have it maybe the audience is the bear you want you want other eyes to look at this, and sometimes you want other ears to hear this. But what I'm saying is, those eyes that's and like ears don't chef, have to like be why, human. That's like a chef. Hey, I'm just gonna cook. I'm gonna cook this beautiful meal that no one's gonna eat. Yeah. No. The point is, is you want people to experience what it is that you're making because you believe that what you're doing is worthwhile. I'm actually doing the same thing. So right now, but it's in, it's under a different pretext. 
right now I'm uh, in the process of creating a different identity, and I'm having, I'm not going to tell anybody what it is. And I'm going to re- I'm going to release music under this identity, not for an audience. You are for you 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 are re- you are releasing it onto a platform where there are people. Of so, course, yes, people will be there, but the it's goal, not the goal. For the no, 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 no. Your goal, your goal might be different. The intentionality might be different. But in the end of the day, the point is, however someone gets to it, the concept is that someone will get to it. Yes. Can we watch the Matrix now? No. We're not going to solve this. <laughs> well, I already solved it. Art is for people. That's no, what it is. No, art is for consumption. For pe- who, who consumes? Whoever I want to. People. If, if I just want to, if I just want to make something, right And now, I put it in front of this this tub of ice cream. If I make the greatest album of all time and I put it in front of this tub of ice cream, I, I that's what I would do. You wouldn't do that though. I would. No, you wouldn't. Bet you wouldn't spend the because t- here here's the other aspect of it. Because if you are good at what you do, and you have spent hours, hours, which is what a lot of these people spend spend time on making these things, you do not do that for no one to see it. I think about I like this is a this is a fictional show. There's this fictional band named Death Clock, and in episode two of the show Metalocalypse, they decided to change the route of their album and said they're making their album strictly for fish. They're making a metal album for fish. It's a cartoon. This is a guys. This is a cartoon show on Adult Swim. On Adult Swim. And that he's I love gonna that use quote. he's gonna use this somehow and I, and to, I love the quote to when bolster they, his argument. When they ask the lead singer Nathan Explosion, "Why are you making a metal album for fish?" Nathan Explosion says, fish ain't got no metal. So if I want to make, so he, if I want to make, <laughs> if I want to make a jazz techno house album for this tub of ice cream that's sitting on Antonio's counter and I have the time, don't even get me wrong, I'll make the time to, I literally right now can make an album for this tub of ice cream and leave it at Antonio's house. But say Antonio, but, but if you, I can say Antonio. But you're leaving it at a house with people who could actually hear if it. If you listen to it, fine. You listen to it. So but I didn't what, make it for you. I made it for this tub of ice cream. You did. No, I made it for the tub of ice cream. You did. No, because you're not. Because I'm. You know why? You, okay, you, you happen know, to discover. You, you want to know why? why? Because and I can say this because we're cool. Because you're not. You're not an idiot. <laughs> and you know that a tub of ice cream cannot hear what it is that you make. And the intention is that though you set it in front of this tub of ice cream. It's in a spot where human beings will actually come in contact with it. So they'll listen. So I can say it's intended for this tub of ice cream, but Antonio is probably going to pick it up and listen to it. Yeah. You know what? Anyway, what I'm going to say is this. If I wanted to, I could, though. Okay. Really quick. I just wanted to get your opinion on, on this, and I'm interested to know. I know it's different. Streaming, so it's it's sort of taken over multiple forms of art. I I want to say streaming and music was first. Yes, when you had things like Napster. Yes. Um, Bear Share. So and now we're having this revolution that I think was. Exacerbated, I think that's the term. Ooh, that's uh, a good word. Uh, Exacerbated up, by, pushed mm. by the pandemic. 
because we already saw the introduction of some of these platforms in in that I think a big part of it was and you can tell me what the what the correlation is in the music industry but I think a big part of it was and we talked about this when we were talking about sitcoms yep is that there was a limited number of 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 um stations that were making um these very very specific well first they were super broad and kind of hard to break into because there were only like you know if you go back to like the 60s there were only like five shows that everybody watched it was the same show the same show and then now and then it kind of evolved to yeah we're making more niche things but it's still it's still very studio big wig you know guys in suits driven and we're not even going to get into the idea of, you know, um, gatekeepers and who they've allowed to make art. That's a whole other um, conversation. And I talked about it a lot on this podcast. And I think that mixed in with. I don't know if we would call them predatory, but yeah, so stagnant, a- stagnant um, cable subscriptions in that. I'm gonna yes. you're gonna pay ninety dollars for this eight hundred channel package, but you're only probably gonna watch eight of these channels and you're stuck because now you have a year or two year contract, contract and you can't get out of it. If I'm gonna pay money to watch shows, why can't I pay money for the shows that I want? And if I decide tomorrow that I no longer wanna watch these shows, why can't I just say no? And I think all of those things, which was pushed by the pandemic, went to we're going to start curating our own shows by creating these different networks, giving and Netflix is doing this like crazy, just giving bags to different creators. Go make something or to some of these, you know, studios that are pushing to make their own content. And now we have streaming and that's even crept into movies because we always we had streaming with the TV shows. That was first and where TV series would be streamed on these limited or uh, what would you call them? Like, what what do you call HBO and all of them? What were they called before? They were like premium. So like you pay to watch these things. Right. And now it's becoming. And it's became where now we're releasing movies feature length movies on here a lot of them are still having their necessary theater releases to be eligible for you know all the awards yeah yeah. and then this year we had movies big movies that would have went to the theater now being released straight to the home the home what are the consequences of that do you see similar correlations between TV and film and what's already happened in music? Cause it seems like music's a little bit further ahead and going to. Right. You know. the, okay. I can say, I can only say my fears cause that's a lot to unpack. So just to synthesize the question, what are the consequences of streaming post pandemic? Let's say, let's even say that I would say post pandemic. Cause it seems like, the pandemic 
has kind of pushed us faster. I think we would have yeah. got here maybe a couple years, but the pandemic Definitely. sped up the process of getting to where we are. So in terms of this, I'll say this for movies and TV. Like we were just saying, TV has, especially over the last heck, you know, five, ten years, TV has allowed minority writers specifically, minority yes. American writers, to have a voice yep. on major for major audiences that we did not have before. Again, when we look at the early 2000s, there was a lot of black sitcoms. There was a lot of black TV shows. You had, again, Eve, Moesha, uh, even though it's late 90s, you got Girlfriends. Girlfriends and Eve and even the Wanda Sykes show, for all intents and purposes, almost tell the same kind mm-hmm. of story. Um, however, now that we uh, have gotten past and, and evolved past, we have an insecure uh, we have, at the same time as an insecure, you have um, uh, fly, fr- something flyer than something. Uh, I forget what it's called. I'm going to look it up later. Um, anyway, the random acts of flyness, my bad. Where you have, again, black voices, millennial black voices, random acts of flyness comes out and, and it tells this kind of Sesame Street, but for black millennial adults kind of way this is what it's like to be black in new york insecure very linear story this is what it's like to be black in la you could not have that 10 years ago yeah the problem is this on that same network of hbo i could watch godzilla Mm -hmm. i could watch i could watch a judas and the black messiah which kind of falls into that same category so why, if I even want to watch uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, that's an hour, 45 minutes, why do I have to watch a whole season of Insecure where every episode is an hour long at minimum or 30 minutes now? So you, 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 you think that they pit against each other? I, that's my fear right now because what I understand is this. I, and this is me personally. If I'm at home, I would rather be at home watching a – like six one-hour episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I binge watch uh, Queen Queen's Gambit. That was my one of my favorite shows last year, um, and I thought nothing of it. Although there's some problems that I have with that, and you could tell that like uh, a, some some white guys wrote the story. Of, you yeah, know, a, but we won't, couple, get it. we won't talk we won't about get that. It. We won't get yeah, into that. That's another, that's another episode. You know they had to get their black savior in there. Oh, and even when the black but, savior said, "I'm not a black savior," but she was saving the white girl. She definitely oh, saved the white girl. She definitely gave this white girl oh, all of her was, life savings so she can was, go play chess. And she even said, "I'm not a savior. You don't pay me back. Uh, but, not in this but show. That's another. That's another show." <laughs> That's another story. Um, anyway, but again, I could watch six hours, and I'm not gonna lie. I I've seen pretty much. I've I've been one of these people who's gone to the theaters. I'm vaccinated fully, uh, just so you know. I want to make sure transparency is out there. Um, as soon as theaters opened up, I've been in the theater watching pretty much every blockbuster. I saw Godzilla at the drive-in. Um, I saw Fast and Furious. I saw Shang Chi. Um, I've even taken my my son with masks on. Of course, we've seen Paw Patrol. We've seen like all this, all these things. It is a it was a struggle for me to watch Fast and Furious Nine, and I love that franchise because I, as as smart as I am and as much as I've gone to school, I'm a sucker for for just crap. Like I ate McDonald's today. I'm a sucker for crap. But that's a struggle for me to watch the latest installment of one of my favorite film franchises. When I think about the fact that I could be at home watching the same movie, but on my cell phone, 
maybe playing Nintendo or something while I'm doing it. It's taken the convenient. There's so much convenience now with absorbing the story. Is that because of the quality? Like, do you think that if it was, do you think that you're willing to go to the theater to watch something of a higher quality or is, do you think? No, I think. Because even like a Judas and the Black Messiah, even another movie that I, I know I watched at home um, and I enjoyed it, like uh, Malcolm and Marie. I didn't enjoy that movie, but it was, a, it was a movie that captivated me. I still found myself retreating to my phone or retreating to something else within my house and not being fully immersed in the experience. So it's interesting. You mentioned Judas and the Black Messiah. You mm. also mentioned Malcolm and Marie what we've been finding is that there are different directors who have different feelings towards where we've gone because Shaka King says, yeah, he thinks that it's actually better for his film that it was released like this because he's not sure how many people would have went to the theater to watch a movie okay. about Fred Hampton. Now let me pause you and right there really quick. And okay. then you see a movie like Malcolm and Marie that was literally made mm-hmm. to help feed people. Yes. During a pandemic. We're going to make this movie because there's nothing going on. So we're yes. going to make a movie. Now, obviously, it's a story that I want to tell. Yes. But, but part of this is I want to get people back working again. Yes. So let's do something so that people can work. Now, now hear me out. Speaking of the 90s, um, I, was in, I was in the Bay Area this weekend and my friend uh, DJ Swang was, uh, we were just talking about, he showed me this YouTube channel with this guy like, gives the the play-by-play of, you know, famous black films. Mm -hmm. And we watched the one for Holiday Heart. And it hit me. When you think about a thing, you remember Holiday Heart? You remember that Mm -hmm. movie? For those who don't know, Holiday Heart is a movie uh, where Ving Rhames, yes, big, buff, scary Ving Rhames, uh, stars as a drag queen by the name of Holiday Heart. Holiday Heart uh has a has a drag show her her lover husband has passed away he was on the force he was a cop gets killed yada 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 long story short alfie Ritter, alfie ritters is on crack she has a daughter holiday heart adopts this kid this little girl they move to paris at the end of the movie um that movie was a tell it was a made for television movie mm-hmm I think about the Ruby Bridges story, made for television movie. Selma Lord Selma starring a young Journey Smollett who in at the age of, you know, 10 years old, that's how I knew I had a crush. Um, all these black stories that we had were made for television. Why? Why? Because because no. they, they knew it wasn't going to have it wasn't going to make money in a theater. Exactly. So of course a Shaka King benefits Judas and the Black Messiah benefits from being on TV because I hate to say it that's where black narratives no of course thrive of course and and I, that's 1000% true but I think it's also true not just for black directors in this case but for the 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 non like the non top top 10 it's like there there's like there's a there's a gap not in quality but there's a gap in trust mm. from the studios on the top guys and everybody else, the indie artist for yes. the person who's not Steven Spielberg, who's not the one that this studio is going to give a billion dollars to make whatever they want. See, you have a, and then so a lot of these people, f- they really just want to get their story seen. The concept for a lot of them is not necessarily to make a lot of money. 
because they know that that's not their that's not the end game for them because there wasn't that much money into it. Now you would love, obviously, to make a movie for like Jordan Peele to make a movie that cost a million dollars to make and make several million in return. That's obviously always ideal, but that's usually not the way that it goes. If you can break even, if you can double, that'll be nice. But really what you're trying to do is you're trying to prove yourself so that the next studio gives you more money and that you right. and that you build up, you know, a, a, a resume that, you know, would prove that. So for I think for uh, for streaming, a lot of the newer artists are the ones that might like the fact that I immediately, immediately my stuff is in front of millions of people. Now, whether or not they watch it, who knows? But that could be the same thing because I don't think anybody wants to experience a movie theater flop of your your movies being in the theater and then nobody going to go see it. And I think for some, for I think really a lot of the directors who have had the biggest issue are the ones who were going to make a lot of money in the theater. Yes, and and I think that's the thing. Like that Dune, really... Dune was going to be a blockbuster in the theater. It still might because it seems like we're getting there. Shang Chi is doing some numbers. Shang Chi is doing Shang Chi. Oh yeah, Shang 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 Chi Shang Shang Chi. So you changed your name. You changed your name from Shang to Sean. To Sean, yes. So, but yeah. So I I think I now the economics of it is what I'm interested to know if we're going to find that out over the next year or so as we kind of get back. Do we ever get back to where we were before? But even before the pandemic, we were in a spot where the the, the theater business has never been booming in America. And that's what I was going to say. Honestly, like this is in France. I was like gonna... France. The government throws money into right. movies because it's sacred to them. We're not throwing the government is not throwing money. We don't want the government throwing money in our nah. movies because we don't want your propaganda films. So it's like that, and that's yeah. but that's what I'm saying. This will again look at streaming. When you same thing with streaming music. When streaming music came out, that's what everybody's fear was. Uh, how can these artists who they make millions of dollars? How can the Bruce Springsteen survive a streaming world? How can you two survive survive a streaming world? Where, okay, but Sean Kingston in 2008 can make millions of dollars, not because of people buying physical singles, but because people are illegally downloading it mm-hmm. and then going to the show, then going to the, and that's the, the merch. And that's the that's thing. That's 2008. Well, and I don't, I know album sales have always been a thing, but for artists, the the biggest, the biggest grab are the shows, the concerts, the tours. Right. And the thing that streaming does, that it although it sh- shortcuts the 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 revenue stream that record sales will get in, it gives you it gives you exposure. Yes, it gives you access to the artist. So, and that's what I feel like is better. I mean, even looking at NFTs, it's it gives digital gives access to artists who don't have the the money behind them. Mm-hmm. It gives art. It gives access to the artist. It gives access to the same thing with with like a Shaka King. It gives us access to a Shaka King. We're having a conversation about this guy named Shaka King, who we de- we didn't know before this the beginning of this year. Who's the? Oh God, I can't I can't think of his name. Who's the the, the um, dope rapper from Long Beach? He just 
Vince Staples. Vince Staples. So he talked about how he has made more money on uh, what is it called when movies or video games or whatever use your stuff? Yeah, your licensing. So he said yep. like one of his biggest grabs was that Call of Duty used one of his songs. Yep. And, you know, so it's like you just throw your music out there. And then if the people really like it and a certain entity finds out, like NBA finds out that their fan base likes this, then, yep, then you're I good. think I think it, I don't know if it was the NFL or NBA, but no, Dra- but that's now that's... Drake. Now, now Drake is like like they're going to be using Drake's like I remember when Kendrick dropped. Um, All right. No, no, no. But on that album, I. Oh yeah, and I it was on I, every I NBA still, when he when that when that song first dropped, I was like, I do not like this song. But then all these people started picking it up, and the NBA made it their thing. And I'm like, you know what? I totally, I totally get this. Okay, you remember this song uh, by Kevin Rudliff featuring Lil Wayne called "Let It Rock." I'm gonna play it. Okay, because speaking of licensing, this came on to Denny's. This is a commercial. Wait, what's it called? Let it rock. Is it like, because I could just play it on here. Oh. And that way it'll like be. It's called on. Let It Rock. Kevin Rudolph. Play it. It's terrible. It's the worst song I've ever heard in my life. But okay. I knew it came out in 2008. Okay, let's Or see. 2009. Is this working? This is not working. Oh, oh here it goes. Oh, this song. Okay, so this song was NBA playoffs. I want to say 2008, Yo. 2009. This song is terrible. This song got mad play. But this dude got this dude hopped off the face of the earth because again licensing. Now again, this is how. Wow, you. We could cut it off now. Thank you. But again, licensing. Um, again, it just gives people access. So again, going back to the, the original point, like what is what does that say about um, streaming? What does that say about um, TV versus movies and HBO Max is specific? HBO Max and HBO in general is really pushing what streaming can do for a network and for film. All I'm going to say is this. Black, my, I'm gonna say black people, but minorities are gonna benefit the most mm-hmm. from streaming. The 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 quote little guy. The little guy, because again, things are a la carte. Yes, and that's what we as as black people have needed. Um, is is this a la, Let me say needed. We've always had this a la carte access. We've had this literally since the 20s, when the Cotton Club and people would come up to Harlem to find this little niche of black entertainment and black legacy and art now we just brought harlem to the rest of the world mm-hmm. harlem is in our harlem is literally in our hands when you think about it and that's what's beautiful so if you're not paying attention if you're not tapped in you're not tapped in so if you want something bring the a la carte if you want the blockbuster you bring the a la carte to the theater look at, again look at Candyman with um what is my sister's name? You know, you like how I said sister because I'm a professor mm-hmm. now. I gotta start saying. I think she just didn't she just break a record like for like. Yep. Nia DaCosta. So look at what Nia DaCosta did for Candyman, and look at what she was about to do for the Marvels. Disney Disney's not dumb. Hey, she's a Scorpio too. Okay. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. I think it's the most. Okay. All right, so what one thing we were going to do Wrap is we were going to live watch 
the, the Matrix? Matrix trailer. But right. the Matrix trailer doesn't drop into the full trailer doesn't drop until tomorrow. Right, but isn't it the? Uh, but Red there's Bill a little, Bill? there's a little thing that we're gonna watch together, even though it's only like. Well, friends, it's friendship. Like thir- it's like 13 seconds long. <laughs> oh, well, that's going to be easy to live. <laughs> but I'm going to play it. Okay, well, I got to look at it. I can't see Yeah, it. hold on. I'm getting the volume right. Oh, let me turn it back up over here. Could be. Okay, here we go. Could be. This is the first day of the rest of your life. But if you want it, you got to fight for it. Could was that Neo doing this, like the force on a on a motorcycle? Neo doesn't use the force; he just bends the Matrix. But yes, it's the force. It's so. Is this is this like? Have you seen the Matrix? Yes, all of them. Yes, and the Animatrix. Yes, is this is this like Matrix meets John Wick? Matrix, no, John Wick is the John, Ma- <laughs> John Wick is the Matrix, but grounded. Hey, really quick, before we go, is is Keanu Reeves one of the greatest no. action action stars? No. no. He's been a part of two of the of the biggest Don't say biggest. Of the biggest Don't say biggest. He's been a part of one of the biggest. No, John and one Wick, cult favorite. John Wick is a cult favorite. Because John Wick And he's been in both. He did both. In both of them, I think we could argue like I don't know if anybody else would have worked. Like they were made for him. Remember, we all heard that Will Smith was supposed to be Neil. No, Will Smith would have been terrible. Thank God. Will Smith would have been terrible. Because <laughs> it was good, great. Here's the thing about okay. Is he top five? Top five? Who are the top five action stars and we're getting out of here? Bruce Willis. I was gonna say Bruce. Tom Cruise. Yes. Actually, I would almost say Tom might be one. Tom is definitely number one, hands down. Because, right. because although, a, although Bruce has done more iconic films, I don't know. Tom has the franchises. Yes, yes. Tom has franchises under yes. his belt. So, yeah, Tom is number one. Bruce Willis. Uh, hey, listen. I, Mel I, Gibson? I have criticisms for this guy. Okay. But I think Will Smith deserves to be there. Will Smith is for sure. Top five. Action, top five. Because most of his big, big movies are all action movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we got Tom, Bruce, Will Smith. I'm going to say Mel Gibson. I don't know. I would put I would put Keanu over him. Just on the strength of the Matrix and John. I'll put I'll keep Keanu in here for, you know what? And no one's going to like this. Vin Diesel. Ew. Guys, uh, this has been... <laughs> On that note, hear me out. I don't think we want to hear that again. The Fast and Furious franchise. Can no. I just? Can I? I need to have a separate podcast where I just Ugh. talk about the Fast and Furious franchise and how brilliant it is. There's, it's an original IP. It didn't come. It literally came from a movie from 2001, right? 2000, 2001. And I said, forget about it, cuz. <laughs> it is billions of dollars. <laughs> like this franchise has this oh, this franchise has had equal impact as Harry Potter as Star Wait, Wars no no think about no. it no think about no. it no not for us no but there are people who literally no i'm telling you i know i know enough about car culture no i know enough about car culture star wars no how much money has star wars brought in 
No. How much? I need to see how much money has Fast and Furious brought in. How much has Fast and Furious franchise made? Okay. That's the Fast and the Furious. I'm talking about the whole franchise. Give okay, whole you fran- pull you pull up Fast and the Furious. I pull up Star Wars. Okay, so the whole franchise altogether. This is July third, twenty twenty one. Six point twenty nine billion dollars. Now again, this is a, I'm talking about original franchises. I'm not talking about like something that has lore on top of lore on top of lore. S- you s- what do you mean? So again, Fast and the Furious came out. Star Wars was an original IP, but. I'm talking about for the last tw- okay yes it's the original IP okay you will use Star Wars let's use Star Wars I'm just saying you said it and there's an estimated yeah. 68 because it started with films 68.7 billion okay I'll give you that how many it's 60 years old 50 years old it's 50 years it's 50 years it survived old survived that long because it's of how big it is 50 years old it, li- it literally pushed this the fast the, and furious the space the science fiction fast space. and furious is 20 years old yes and it's, in a in the current market imagine imagine the original star wars today right they're billion dollar movies right and i'm saying and there would have been nine of them i'm saying this is six Point twenty nine billion over how many movies? Over only nine movies. So nine movies. And this is the fifth biggest. Fr- let me go, let me read it. It says it's the fifth biggest franchise. Let's read the. Does it give us the others? Let me see. I'm getting a whole bunch of uh, pop ups. All right. Oh, so. I'm I'm on, I'm looking at something about media franchise. Well, this this puts. Oh my God, Pokemon. That doesn't count. A hundred and five billion. That doesn't count because again, it was. I'm talking about movies where okay. the very first thing was a movie. Star, yeah. So Star Wars is 68.7. Marvel is at no, no, no. Uh, that doesn't count because comics. I'm talking about the very no, first. I'm just thing. naming franchises. Oh, okay, Marvel okay. is 30, 35.4. Um, Harry Potter 32.2. Yeah, makes sense. But again, it was a book. I'm talking about. But the, it's still original though. No, what I mean is, but it was a book first, then it was a movie. I'm saying. It, they made a movie, and that movie did so well that they made another, and that one did so well that they kept making but a te- movie. Okay, but I would say this. Technically, in today's era, especially with every Marvel movie making a billion dollars, or at least that's what it was, $6 billion for nine movies is like, it's good, it's, but it's not on pace for what the, what, like the last couple movies have been what's no, pushed it over there. And that's but what, it's, it's been in part... So that's the other aspect is uh-huh. about the budget. Like how much are they putting into it and then how much are they getting back? Okay, wait, I got Because I'm pretty sure their budgets are massive. This is CNBC. This is, this is this is universal. Okay, this is CNBC. This is the top 13. I'm about to scroll all the way to number one. So, of course, Marvel, but again, it starts with comic books. Star Wars is the very first one where it starts with a movie and they keep going. That's and it's 10. Blows 2 billion. it blows out of the water. They're just looking at movies. This is $10.2 billion. Harry Potter. Doesn't count because it was books first. James Bond, six point eight nine billion. But again, mm-hmm. those are books first too, so I don't know if it counts. But this is but this is why, even though it only picks the movies, that's why I don't think it's fair to Star Wars, because you're talking about impact. That's the point. No, is I'm that, talking about money. Is that a movie? One movie that just a guy made that people didn't think was going to be good that the studio was ready to cut his budget for right that he was literally putting his career on the line for 
has become a 50-year yes. global franchise. Which is incredible. And the thing that's right beneath it. And the, it's not right beneath it. Because what I wanted to try to do, and mm-hmm. we're going to do an episode for this now. Okay. Yes. Because then now I want to see, because you know how the, I don't know if it's is inflation the term. Like, looking at what those movies grossed at that time compared to what that would have been. And then today, yeah, you got to look at it. The, probably you gotta look is at not inflation. even. It's not even close. You got to look at inflation. But that's what I'm saying. Like it's not close. But I that, don't think it's close. But that is what I'm saying. Like I don't even think they should be in the same sentence. Now you can compare it with some recent stuff, but I don't think, I don't think it's anywhere close to Star Wars. I'm just saying, like no anywhere. other film franchise has done Star Wars, Fast and Furious. No other film tra- franchise has done this before. Police Academy. Well, because you're making the rule that it can't have come from a book first. I yeah, I am making that rule. But that's like. A flimsy rule. It's not a flimsy rule. It's very flimsy. It's not. Okay, last thing I'm going to say. Because just because it was a book first doesn't mean that it's going to make a good movie. Last thing I'm going to say. Uh, I know it's your podcast, my bad. So Robert Townsend uh, directed Five Heartbeats. Mm-hmm. Uh, he directed Holiday Heart. Mm-hmm. So again, he's directed all of these uh, iconic made-for-TV black films. Would Robert Townsend thrive directing a black television show or movie today yes this has been the tone deaf podcast (laughs) i'm out Come listen to my dad talk.